Well, it's great to be talking. <laughs> I bet you're thinking you do it all the time, Jill. <laughs> yes. Um, well, it is lovely to be speaking, and I, I feel very privileged, actually. And um, before planning this talk, I did look back at, listen to the podcast. Phil's, I was here last week for Phil's talk, and um, I missed you news, but I listened to it on the podcast. And I would just say that if you've never done a talk, these guys, they put in so much work and preparation. Really appreciate it. And if you're not here, listen to the podcast because there is such richness in the teaching in this church. I really think that. And I think it's great that we can give it to friends. We can say, have a listen to this, you know. And I just was really humbled in a way that when I listened to Shunu setting the scene for us, really listen to that one because it really makes sense, I think, of all the stuff that follows now. Um, but also what Phil puts in. And he's grieving his dad, isn't he? You know, but he continues, doesn't he? Does loads of stuff. Taking Phil to the hospital the other day, there's a lovely bit written in the bulletin about Phil. We really love you, Phil, and we want that operation to happen quickly. But, you know, let's really, we've got a real blessing in this church of people that are such good speakers. F fantastic crowd of uh, leaders and speakers. Anyway, I'll do my best, guys. I'm a bit rusty. Um, and I do have a confession to make straight off because when it comes to talking about anger and grudges and things like that and being resentful, I'm probably the queen of that. But um, I must admit, I was getting a bit fed up with not being asked to talk. I thought, you know what? I'm an elder in this church. I've been in the church 30 years. And I thought, Phil hasn't lately asked me to speak. And a little bit of resentment and anger was forming in my heart as I watched other people get up and talk. And I thought, you know, right, I'm sending an email. This is the best thing to do. I won't approach Phil. I'll send an email because that's the best way of communicating, isn't it, when you want to get your point across. So I sent Phil an email and I said, Phil, I said, and it was late one night. I think I might have had a few glasses of wine, actually, you know. But anyway, I sent Phil an email and I said, Phil, I said, you know, you don't ask me to do any talks anymore. What is it? Am I too old? Am I too cranky? Am I just crazy? Do I just talk too much? You know, why is it? Is there something wrong? And of course, Phil very graciously got back straight away and said, Jill, I'm so sorry. I, have, I didn't mean to overlook you. Would you like to do a talk? You know, would, whatever you'd like to do, have a look. Have a look at the series. He said, and I said, well, a couple of weeks, you know, whenever. And, you know, and uh, I said, thank you very much. You know, and he said, well, how about two weeks' time? And I said, what's the topic? And he said, anger management. And straight away, I felt my little heart sort of, uh, God say to me directly, that's for you, Jill, that's for you. So... Sorry, Phil. I did apologize to Phil that I'd had a little bit of resentment about it. But anyway, but also I think anger management, it does interest me because some of you probably know me very well, but I work in the mental health services, have done for the last 12 years. So I help people with anxiety, depression, stress. I help them on the work front. I'm not a psychologist, but I, have a, I, I, quite, I know quite a lot, I guess, about mental ill health. And I meet a lot of angry people an awful lot of angry people. So to me, this was a really interesting talk to look at. Um, yeah, so, so I sort of grabbed it with both hands and I've been looking at various things. But let's bring up the next slide. Um, thanks very much, Charlie. He's going to help me out. I don't like those pointer things. Um, just going to read this. Or does anybody want to read it for me? Anybody like to volunteer to read? Give my voice a break. Yeah, Jem, would you like to come and read it? Do it on the mic. Because yeah. this is the message version. Okay. See what we can do. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. 
carelessly call a brother idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and, about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. Or say you're, on the st- you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. Well read. Well, what do we think to that then? I've highlighted a few of the bits which I thought were really sort of the challenging bits and the bits that were almost, I think Shunu said in her um, preach, quite terrifying actually. What you mean when I get angry, when I, when I get really angry with somebody, it says I'm guilty of murder? Would we, would we think that? Would we? It's a bit strong, isn't it? Um, when we're some, calling somebody an idiot, I can't think who I've called an idiot lately. I'm sure I have done that a few times. But, you know, suddenly we're on the brink of hellfire. Words can kill. I mean, we do say, don't we, when we gossip a bit, you know, we're stabbing people in the back. And actually the word anger, the Latin, um, it comes from the Latin word to strangle. The meaning of the word anger is to strangle. So we get images, don't we, of murder. But what was Jesus saying here, I wonder? You know, I sort of read it and I thought, oh, heck, this is, this is, this is tough stuff, isn't it? You know, where do, how, how, how can this be? But we do know about grudges, don't we? And, and Joe, I think we've set the scene very nicely today. Thanks, Joe. You know, the, the whole thing about our hearts and how we're, we're bearing grudges in our hearts. And we're, that, we're letting that anger fester and go deeper. And we're actually not doing anything about it and the lovely um, family focus with Darth Vader, you know, how we um, are called to keep short accounts. Um, can we have the next slide, please, Sean? Okay, so as all good speakers, I thought, let's have a look at Tom Wright. And Carol Bostrich, you'll be listening to this. She's not here today, but she does like Tom Wright. She's handed me books on occasion, which I can honestly say I haven't read. But I did think... <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, she must think I need it. But anyway, Tom Wright is really good, so I would encourage you to read commentaries. And um, he says a lot of good things about this and helped me sort of to unpack this uh, chapter. But I just want to read this out because this was, Tom Wright's commentary was written some years ago, but I just felt that this rang really true of today's sort of society and what's happening with our, with our nation at the moment. A leading politician makes a gesture of contempt towards the opposition. Someone on the other side reacts angrily. Soon, dozens of people are on their feet shouting. Insults fly to and fro. Out on the streets, supporters of the rival parties jeer at each other, then begin to jostle and threaten. Fists start to fly. Knives come out. By the time the police arrive, two people have been killed. The other side vows revenge. The next day, they are back in force and and attack the innocent. I think that's a bit of a wrong spelling there, but never mind attack innocent passers-by. Their families, in turn, swear to get even. Is this, is this what our human life should be like? And I think, you know, although this was written some time ago, we can see this, can't we, as, as we had the, um, 
the banners up that Joe did with the um, placards, you know. Um, we get angry about these things. These things are happening in our nation now, aren't they? You know, um, just in mental health services, people come in to see me. Um, they come in angry. There's family breakdown. There's been sexual abuse, physical abuse in families in their past. There's an increase in domestic violence. I deal with a lot of people who come to me and they're in the workplace. And the amount of bullying and, and horrible abuse that goes on in the workplace, particularly in the public health sector, you wouldn't believe. The horrible stories of literally physical violence or people just saying horrible things. And really, you know, people are getting to the point of suicide sometimes because they've just been treated so badly. So it seemed to me that statement was just so real about um, what's happening in today's society and obviously all the knife crime, all the gang stuff. And I think, you know, it made me think as being a parent about my own role modeling with, with young people. Um, you know, young people on the streets with knives, what are they seeing? How are they seeing, you know, adults responding? When they're looking at the politicians, our world leaders, how are they seeing them respond? You know, it's encouraging, you know, peacefulness and forgiveness and all the right things to flow. It's certainly not. Okay, next slide. Get a bit more personal now, okay? Anger and you. You can turn to your neighbour, if you like, with this one, or you can just think about it. Some people don't like turning to their neighbour, so I won't force anybody. Anger and you. So do you process it? The top picture there, the chap on the staircase, having a little think about things and maybe just turning things over. Do you vent it? Are you a ventor? Do you just go straight for the jugular? That tends to be a bit like me, actually, that one. Or do you suppress do you just hold on to it and it sinks right down into who you are? Just have a little word for the person next to you. Have a little think about that. If you're wondering, I heard Gordon say, what's the processing? I'm going to answer Gordon's question now, because I know he does have a few, and probably will afterwards. Processing could mean positive and negative. You could process and become more angry, and then go out and vent, or even suppress it and not say anything. Or you could process this and work out a positive response. Yeah? Okay, let's have a show of hands then. Where are the... Um, who does the venting? Venting anger? Who's a venter? Oh, okay. Okay, in context. After a bit of suppression. <laughs> okay. But at least... Okay. So we're doing the uh, Incredible Hulk job. The shirt rips open, Charlie. But, yeah, venting. And let's face it, sometimes better out than in. That's what I tell myself. But it's the way it comes out, isn't it? The words we use and the anger that isn't always, you know... I've got a very loud voice. I know, I remember Chris and Mike Freed used to say they didn't have shouting in their house. And I used to think, amazing. <laughs> Certainly doesn't happen in the Abraham family. But anyway, okay, processing. Who's a good processor? Who's a processor? She knew I knew she put her hand up. Who's the processor? Okay, but actually Beth is a processor, yeah. And uh, lovely Pam over there is a processor. Hope when the processing is done, that there's positives afterwards. What about suppressing it when we just push it right down? Push it right down. Okay, there'll be a lot of prayer afterwards for you guys. Okay. 
Yeah. No, we all have different reactions, and thanks for being honest, because, yeah, it, it, we, do, we are human beings, aren't we, at the end of the day? Okay, let's move into the next one, Charlie. If we have a little look at this, it's, it's the stages of anger, and, um, yeah, I just thought this made quite a lot of sense. It reads like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And whether you can recognize any of this as I read it. So angry, you vent, or maybe you withdraw. This is when you're really angry at somebody. Your ego is wounded. You may think, I've been so insulted. Then you play the self-righteous victim. Well, it's not my fault. It's really not my fault. <laughs> we write the person off. We're full of contempt. You know, we can do it with body language. We can walk away. We can shout and call them all sorts of names, but we write them off. We have no time for them. And then we start to view them through a very distorted lens. It's almost like our lens gets so distorted that that person can very soon become almost like a monster or very small or we're starting to think all sorts of things are going on in our, in our minds. Then guess what? We can be a bit of an overshare. We can start to gossip. We can start to comment. We can tweet. We can text. We can have a Facebook rant. You know, we get together with friends and say, guess what happened the other day? You know what this woman said to me? Would you believe it? She's meant to be one of our friends, Caro. And, you know, do you know what she said to me? And she said, and Carol, oh, no, Jill, that's awful. And Carol often says to me, Jill, can you try and think positively about this? And I'm thinking, no. <laughs> and I might actually get on text and I might send an awful rant. When I have a row with Jess, often I get on text and I send a lot of ranting texts and she sends them back and we end up, we do end up saying sorry and big hugs. But, you know, you can come out with some horrible stuff, can't you, on social media? And I think this is a scary thing, that we can, we can do that now. We can do such instant responses. Then, obviously, we're causing hurt, really harming others, and it becomes very toxic. And often then follows an abuse, a betrayal, and a breakdown of relationship. So it's not just, it's not just the other person you're doing damage to, but it's self-destruct, isn't it? Because that relationship that may have been a really great relationship, or maybe it's somebody that you don't know so well, but you know it's maybe somebody in the church family or a friend or whatever, but suddenly that whole relationship breaks down. A person that you really used to have a, a good relationship with. But this happens sometimes very quickly, or it can happen over a period of time, depending on how you're thinking and the, and the, the extent of the hurt and, and what's been said. Okay, can we have the next one? Um, some of you might have seen this before. It's the angry iceberg. And 50% um, of people access therapy and counseling have problems with anger. I was talking to some of the therapists this week who I work with. And um, often you do see this tip of the iceberg. And we do see it, don't we? We see it in the world around us. We see angry people. And what's going on ben beneath is, is often quite distressing stuff. So stress can be a big uh, provoker of, ang of anger, um, depression, um, anxiety. Um, we can feel very insecure and helpless, um, just general grumpiness, irritability. We can feel attacked. We can feel put down. There can be all sorts of reasons. And maybe as you look at that, maybe there's areas there that you know, God might be already speaking to you about, about how you're feeling about yourself, self-hatred, that sort of thing. And what we see is, you know, just the tip of the iceberg. Um, this is 50% of people who come into therapy. What about those of us who don't? 
I would like to just, you know, fly the flag a bit now for professional help, mental health. I've been in therapy, I don't know how many times now. I tell you, it's so helpful. I do believe in the power of prayer. I believe that we can come to the Lord. We can have friends and family joining around us. But there is nothing greater than going to the professionals. It's a bit like if you have a, like Phil, he's going in for an operation. If you are struggling with any mental health, anger issues or anything like that, I would well recommend, you know, going to see a therapist or counsellor. If you want Christian counsellors, they're out there. You know, it's so important to deal with stuff before it really takes a hold. But I think also um, there's a lot of stigma, isn't there? I don't feel ashamed saying I've been in counselling or therapy. I think, you know, I want my mental health to be sound. I need a lot of help. And two years ago, as most of you know, I struggled with quite a lot of anxiety. And I I went into counselling and had lots of help from lots of people. So do, do remember that. If that's for you today, you know, don't, don't go away without thinking about that. And if you want to ask me about the service that I work for, then I'm, I'm very happy to talk to you about it. Um, so, yes, and, and also I was talking to the girls last night, and Rachel said, yeah, we need self-awareness as well, don't we? We need to, and sometimes therapy can help us to become more self-aware of exactly what's going on that's causing all this tip of the iceberg anger. Okay, next one, please, Charlie. We're getting there. I'm nearly done. Okay. I love this quote. Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it, on which it, on which it is poured. Mark Twain. Just have a look at that quote. I think when we, when we harbor anger and it becomes hatred and bitterness and we start holding on to grudges... It's so self-destructive, isn't it? It's actually probably more destructive for the person that has the anger. And it really does impact us. We think that we can get bitter towards somebody, write them off. Well, we don't have to see them again. You know, that's the end of that relationship. There's plenty more, plenty more friends I've got. I'm okay. But we're not okay because we've internalized it. We're, we're actually holding on to it. Um, we're the vessel that's actually, it's being stored. When you store something, the word store, it's like you, you, you hold it for a long time. And people go through years and years and years where they're not letting go of this sort of thing. Okay. Next one, please. Okay, back to the Bible. We've read the, the scriptures in the, uh, the start, the passage we're focused on. Um, what, what else does it say in the Bible? There are hundreds of scriptures about anger, actually, in the Bible, in the Old and New Testament. And I've just picked out a couple at the top there, and I want to focus particularly on the one at the bottom. Be angry and do not sin. Of course, we know that being angry isn't a sin. It's when we carry on and we hold on to that anger. And as this one says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The amount of times... I have gone to bed angry. I remember in my marriage, I'm divorced now, I used to go to bed angry. I used to hold on to it. And you wake up feeling like you're in some sort of horrible nightmare. And there's something about the devil gets a foothold. And, you know, it's really good to try and solve things, isn't it? And just, just not give that opportunity to the devil to have a foothold. The second one, oh, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Filthy language. It seems to be the norm these days to come out with all sorts of swear words about people and, you know, slander and stuff like that. And we hear a lot of it on the media. 
you know, um, and it's very easy, isn't it? We can use Twitter, Facebook, we can say all these things on text that nobody else will see apart from the person we're directing them at, or maybe the whole world sees. Some people do it, don't they, on tweets? Well, I won't mention any names. Um, yeah, so, so anyway, you know, we are really commanded again by, by God and in the scriptures in the beginning, you know, to keep short accounts, um, to be the peacemaker, as the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed are the peacemakers. But just coming to the, the final one here, I think this scripture really says it all because it says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister whom they have, see, have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So what's this saying to us? It's saying, isn't it, how can we say that we love God when we do not love our brother and our sister? Who is your brother and sister? And it's not just your brothers and your sisters and your family, is it? Or the, even the people in the church. It's the people we really don't like. It's the people that we have to work alongside. It's, I don't know, the person with a with a weird way of, about them because they're Muslim or they're gay or they're, you know, transgender. It's the people that we think, oh, no, that's not my kind of person. You know, that's, they're our brothers and sisters and we need to love. Otherwise, how can we love God? And I think with this scripture, it's this whole thing, isn't it, about Jesus knew that... He was talking in the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking about, you know, about not harboring anger and it was as bad as murder because he knew that the Pharisees were plotting to kill him. He knew that they were going to plot, they are plotting to kill him as he was probably, you know, he, he knew this as he was speaking these words. And yet the Pharisees were the ones, they were the religious leaders. It's a bit like us in church sometimes. There we are saying, oh, well, we love God, you know, this is how we are, we worship God, we're, we're doing well, we're doing all the things that we should do, there's the outward show, there's the outward show, isn't there? But what's going on in our hearts? Because in the Pharisees' hearts, they were plotting to kill, they were plotting to murder. Their anger towards Jesus was growing. He was an innocent man, but they didn't like what they were hearing. They didn't like it at all. And they weren't even going to do it themselves, they were getting other people to do the dirty work. Have you ever done that? You know, really think about it. Have you ever said something that you know is going to stir something up? That you're not actually being angered or angry directly, but you know your words about someone else, some gossip or slander, will cause that other person to think, you're joking. They didn't do that. Are they that bad? You know, we can easily, can't we, be like the Pharisees and, and yet still present in church on Sunday. But Jesus is saying in the first... Um, in Matthew 5, 21, he's saying, he's saying, you know, you suddenly remember when you bring your, when you come to your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge, a friend, uh, a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to the friend and make things right. The friend has a grudge, you go and sort it out. And you, we can't get close to God. This is going to block us from getting close to God. You can still do all the things, the outward show. You can be praising. You can be doing what you like. But really, ultimately, if we claim, if we have any anger in our hearts and we're letting it fester and we hold on to grudges, we actually cannot break through. God will still be there. He'll have his arms open wide. He's there all the time, isn't he? But there'll be a bit of a, you know, sometimes I think, 
I mean, I know I used to have these roused often just before coming to church in our family. We, not with my daughters so much now, but, you know, when I was married, we somehow, me and Martin, we'd always be getting ready for church. I know it happens with some of you married couples or people with their families but, or your kids. Suddenly you're getting ready, you're looking forward to a nice bit of worship and suddenly you have a massive row. And you go, don't you? And you, you just can't, you can't enter into it somehow. So it's a block, isn't there? There's a bit of a wall that comes up. So Jesus is saying, get yourself right. Um, let's have the final slide. We're just about to finish. I just wanted to show you this and have a look at the um, picture of Jesus on the cross. Just have a look at that for a minute. Just really take it in. I think Shu Nu and um, Phil said, we can't grasp anything of the um, Sermon on the Mount or anything that comes. Phil's got adultery and lust next week. Oh, heck. You know, big topics, aren't they? Divorce and all that. Um, We can't grasp anything of that. We can have self-awareness. We can, you know, try and get right with people and stuff. But this is the best example, isn't it, of love and obedience. And... We can't really grasp much about it, I think, unless we get a picture of what Christ has done for us first. It's almost like the ultimate sacrifice. That, in Christian terms, it's the only faith where, basically, God, as as Shunu says on her podcast, really listen to it, it's very moving, actually. God turns his face away as Jesus hangs on the cross. And Jesus went to the cross knowing but he'd done nothing wrong. And he was the brunt of everybody's anger, but he'd done nothing wrong. And he actually did that so we could be set free from our sin. So even today, if we're sitting there thinking, well, you, were, you know, Jill, I've been, I've been angry with somebody for the last 20 years. Or do you know what? I'm not speaking to my mother or my father. Or my father's disowned me and says I'm a piece of trash. Um, my sister I can't speak to anymore. I can't look them in the eye. My best friend I've fallen out with. You know, we can, you know, there's things that we think we can't do anything about it. We perhaps feel weak and hopeless and that there's no hope. But with the cross, because Jesus says, come to the cross. And that is the most fantastic truth, isn't it? That we don't have to do it alone. And you might say, well, Jesus is gone. He's not here right now, Jill. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here and he's here and it's the gift God has given us. As we open ourselves up to the cross, as we come to the cross, the Holy Spirit is our counsellor. Yeah? I work with counsellors. No counsellor like the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus into our heart and we come to the cross and we receive Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit enters in. And it's a gentle thing. And I think some of the things you deal with day in, day out, and let's face it, we'll go out from tomorrow, and there'll be little things that make us angry. There'll be somebody in road rage. There'll be somebody at work. There'll be all sorts. But Jesus, if we come to Jesus each and every day, we can ask Jesus just to cleanse us. And just as we have our shower at night or in the morning, we can say, just cleanse us from those feelings of bearing grudges and anger and resentment. And Jesus can set us free. That is the truth. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Will we ever have to lay down our lives for any of us, anybody, in our families or in our friends? Or We probably won't. But, you know, it's fantastic, isn't it, that Jesus laid down his life for us. 
so that we have, it's the grace that we can come to God each and every day and say, forgive us, Lord, for that angry stuff that I've held at that. Forgive us for that grudge, that we can take action. I think today, no matter what I've said, it doesn't really count. But I think today, take action. Because it's all very well saying, well, okay, yeah, fair enough, I understand. You know, I'm holding on to grudges. But take action, because today is meaningless without the action, isn't it? And maybe being a little bit accountable to somebody you trust on taking that action and either forgiving somebody because they've wronged you or you forgiving them. But it is, I think, very much that this is hard to do and it's not to be scoffed. And it could need some counseling. It could need a lot of prayer. It could need a lot of ministry and people getting alongside. I'm going to go into now, just to finish, a bit of a personal meditation And we do lots of meditation in mental health services. You might have heard of mindfulness. It's very, very popular. Um, It's a bit of a mindfulness meditation, but it's going to be focused on some of the things I've talked about. And then we'll have the, uh, maybe if we've got time for a a song, Phil, um, and then if anybody else wants to receive any prayer a bit more directly, then you can do that. So just for now, could you just close your eyes? I invite you to close your eyes because it always helps to, to, um, be able to think better when the eyes are shut. And put your hand on your heart if you'd like to. And be aware of your breath. Be aware of your breathing. If you're a bit stressed, it could be quite short and rapid. So just start to breathe deeply. Sense the power of God. Sense the Holy Spirit. Breathe in the breath of God. Breathe in the breath of God. And first of all, I just want you to think about people you are grateful for. People in your family, in your friendship circle, at work, in church. People that you're so grateful for. People maybe that even passed away that have had a real impact on your life. People that you're grateful for. Maybe it's Jesus and what he did on the cross. Now, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind in our hearts those people that we're, perhaps we don't feel so grateful for. Those people that we have a bit of a grudge against or that we're holding a bit of anger in our hearts towards, or a lot of anger. Those people that we're holding on to, bitterness. Those people that have hurt us maybe deeply. Those people that we haven't forgiven, that we haven't truly forgiven. We might have done all the outward signs, we might have said sorry, but we may have not have truly forgiven. Just let the Holy Spirit impress on your hearts and minds the face of that person or those people, maybe more than one. Or if you've, or somebody may come to mind that you've really hurt. And Father God, I want to ask you to change our hearts. Change our hearts. Minister your healing. Help us, Lord. We so need the help of the Holy Spirit. We so need 
to be prompted in our minds and in our hearts. And if you feel that this is a very short period of time to do this, and I'd encourage you to go home and just focus on those scriptures, focus on the cross, and think about that. Okay. Thank you. I don't know whether, Phil, there's a chance for a final song. And if there is anybody that would like any prayer or like to talk anything through, want to know about getting help from mental health services, then please come and ask. Thank you for listening.